Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News in Social Artistry right here on KOPN.org, your community radio station out of Columbia, Missouri. I am Dick Dalton, the host of this show, and each week we have the pleasure of talking to people uh, locally or from around the world who are building a more humane world from the inside out. And as you've known, if you've tuned in before, we have a, quite a variety of folks in lots of walks of life. And uh, today, my guests are some friends that I've known mostly through the theater, community theater in Jefferson City. Uh, Jim and Linda Rhodes, that's R-H-O-D-E-S. Well, hi, Jim and Linda. Glad to have you with us. Hi, Nick. Yes, and this is going to be a, a, a unique opportunity for me because although, Jim, uh, you and I have been in a number of productions together, and Linda is always there when you're doing your show, and so we bump into each other that way, but... I really don't know too much about the rest of your life, except uh, I know you have a daughter who did some photography with us, and we'll find out more about your family. But uh, could you all just uh, introduce yourselves uh, however you would like to introduce you? Hmm. I'll let my wonderful wife, Linda, go first. <laughs> well, my name's Linda, and I was a straub. Uh, my mother and dad lived here in town my mom worked from home my dad was a grocery man and did that profession for all the time i was around uh, they had originally come from chamoy and uh, lynn and lived in chamoy for a while and then moved to jeff city about the time i was born i have only one brother and uh, he is now passed so, and mom and dad are gone. So I'm kind of the sole survivor of this family, the Straub family, mm -hmm. uh, other than my brother's family. And he had six children. And mm -hmm. so we thought we would follow suit and we had six children too. <laughs> but I grew up in Jeff City. I went to IC for four years. I went to St. Peter's for four years and I went to Hawaii's for four years and then went to Lincoln for one year. And about that time, my brother was working at the state and they were getting their computers installed. So it was a perfect opportunity for me to start my career. And I ended up uh, working in the computer section as a programmer and then worked for the state for 31 years and oh. then retired and went private with a private company that had just come into town that also offered software products. And uh, I worked with them for another 20 years. So oh my goodness. After 51 years, I figured it was about time <laughs> to um, find some time for myself. And I met Jim when I was in high school. Actually, I think it was a freshman in the band and he was a senior in the band and mm. didn't know him at all. Actually didn't even need him at that time. <laughs> but then after um, I turned 16, I started working 
uh, part-time with the grocery store, Gerbs, and met him there because he was working there too. Mm. And we fell in love pretty quickly and got married and um, in 67 and spent the next 54 years now, <laughs> um, you know, together. And we have had six children. Mm-hmm. We had four boys in the first five years of our marriage. So that was a challenge since we were both <laughs> in our career building part of our lives too. And then about 14 years later, we had two girls. So mm. we kind of had two families, but mm. I wouldn't give my girls up because uh, that's, um, they are just really special. I'm, the boys were really special too, but you know, the boys hang with their dads those kinds of things and the girls have just been there for their mom so mm -hmm. that's been pretty cool yeah so your boys are they in the area or are they uh, out around the world all of our children live within 30 miles the furthest oh, wow. one away is in columbia the others mm -hmm. are here in either jeff city or new bloomfield or hold summit wow that's great you, you... yeah it is great and then we have out of those six boys we have 13 grandchildren and we have four greats now so our household is quite an exciting place in the holidays and to say the least. we still try to gather for birthdays and that's an all-year-round thing now because yeah. of so many kids yeah. but family's just it for me I'm there for all of them I hope and I'm of course here for Jim because he keeps me uh, involved in the world he is a very active outgoing person whereas i'm more the person at home taking care of whatever that mm -hmm. making it possible for him to go somewhere yeah yeah yep. he can go do his thing and i'll take care of the home front that's a fantastic introduction for linda do you do anything at all jim what well i don't know <laughs> okay I'm not a Jeff City boy. I was, uh, my mom and I moved from Farmington, Missouri mm -hmm. in 1959, moved to Jeff City, didn't know anybody. And I started high school at Helias two weeks after we moved here. Mm -hmm. So it was a rather rude awakening that first year of high school, not knowing anybody. I mean, you know, it's everybody would talk about, remember when we were in grade school and we did that? No, I wasn't here then. <laughs> so, but now I went through Helias four years. And I did meet her in the band, you might say. I started the band in Elias at, at Southmore. And I was in the band for five years. The reason for that is we had 99 kids graduate in 1963. 90% of the band was seniors. So oh. when we left that year, they begged us that if anybody's going to college here at Lincoln or, you know, they can do it. If you can participate in the band when we need the parades or the football games and that, keep the uniforms and we'd love to, you know, so I did that for two years. But uh, when I started Lincoln, I got in the band over there at Lincoln. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure you remember Marshall Penn, the awesome man, me off to the side one day and said, uh, Mr. Rhodes, he said, I hear you're uh, doing in your, your past alma mater at high school, you're playing in their band and you're in our band. I said, yes, sir. He goes, but now you do realize when we are doing something, you know what uniform you will have on? I go, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So, yeah. but now then, well, I was like I said, like she said, we I, we both met at Gerbs. What instrument did you play? At, uh, uh, trombone. Oh, okay, trombone. Yeah, London did the clarinet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, but now we we met up there, and like you said, it was kind of love at first sight. Sorry, we had a real part courtship, you might say. What six months? <laughs> I think maybe before we got married, <laughs> but, uh, maybe a year. but we were married in 67, like I said, and, uh, and then after we were married there, uh, well, I can go back to deviate back in my first, well, sec first year over at Lincoln, actually 1964, I, they started the first judo class over at Lincoln university oh. with, uh, our sensei, uh, Charles Smith. And, uh, that was the first judo they ever had around Jeff City. First martial art, I think they even had in Jeff City. Mm -hmm. And I, I started with him, and he actually started the first Jefferson City Judo Club. He was the founder of it, and I was one of his first students. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I helped him start teaching. And then I went from that to uh, then I got and my martial arts started. Then I was at five years and. And deviated over to uh, karate farms and different styles. And uh, like I say, that started in 64 and I haven't stopped yet. I'm still doing it. Maybe a year or two ago, I first learned of that uh, part of your life and something about a uh, Hall of Fame that we might get to here in a little while. But uh... okay. We've built our first house out here in 1970. Hmm. And that kind of got me, I was always kind of interested in law enforcement but didn't do anything at that time. But the night that they delivered all of the wood for the house, the two by fours plywood, uh, it got stolen during the night. Ooh. So that got me attached with the sheriff's department. I got involved with them a little bit going through the investigation and that hmm. we didn't, we did, they did find out who did it, but, uh, but then I found out, well, they had a, a sheriff's uh, reserve. He become a reserve deputy. And uh, so, Phil Dahlmeyer that had Dahlmeyer Jewelry Store uptown, he's the one who was on the board. And he said, would you be interested in becoming a you know reserve deputy? I said, yeah, I would. And that started me. I became a deputy in 1971. And I just finally retired April 30th of this year. Oh, wow. So I was a deputy with Cole County for 50 years. So that's a full-time job. Right now, that that would now that was uh, it was it started out as reserves, which we were volunteers. There were like fifty oh. of us at that time. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. but and that was the good old days too, Dick, because we took our own vehicles out. We went up to the jail, slapped the magnetic star on the side, and we go patrol the county. <laughs> well, see, because at that time Wyman Wyman basically the sheriff only had maybe four deputies to cover Cole County back then. And so he, we're basically the reserves are what we're doing all the patrolling at night. I mean, oh, they were doing the majority of it. Yeah, I did that for forty years, mm -hmm. and uh, did uh, a lot of stuff, uh, transports prisoners all over the state, and that. And mm -hmm. uh, then one day I came in, and John Wheeler, when he was our chief deputy, says, "Road, you're always around here." He said, "Would you like to work part time for us?" I go, "Yeah, John, that might be nice getting paid actually after doing it free for forty years." So I did that for six years and then they tried to put me on full time. I said, no, no, I'm retired. I don't want to do that. So mm -hmm. then I went back to reserve. That's two hobbies that uh, we'll call hobbies. Can we do that? 
I guess if you want to. <laughs> I, I didn't hear what you majored in at Lincoln. I first ran in because I was involved with my, a friend of mine down home in Farmington who was like, well, I was the only child, and uh, he was kind of like an older brother to me. He just lived around the corner. Well, he was working on his master's degree that time. That was, say, 58. Then I got uh, up with him and started, got the interest of catching snakes. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and that was just the starting on that. And then uh, later on, I got involved with, but well, I was a cub master at Badiah Steve, and I, I ran into uh, a guy here in town that goes out every year to the rattlesnake hunts in Oklahoma. I thought, well, I'd love to go out there and hunt rattlesnakes. And so I, I started that. Linda, you, you approved of these things? Oh, it gets worse. Oh. He didn't just hunt rattlesnakes. He'd bring them home. Oh, oh I'm... Yeah, I, I, started, I started well with Dick. With Dick, I said I, I started back in, as 82. I went out to Oklahoma on my first rattlesnake. There was actually a, a rattlesnake. Uh, club here in town sponsored by Miller Lite. <laughs> and uh, that was my first experience of going out there and so doing that. Now you know what they did on that <laughs> hunt. <laughs> no, I hunted. Some of the other ones did that. I don't know. You don't, you don't want to do that when you're hunting rattlesnakes, trust me, because they don't allow firearms on the hunt. You have to catch them live. But the interest in snakes brought you to your... What? what you were going to take in my college well yeah i was going to take zoology that's what got me started uh let's see i think it was dr ferguson i think i remember his name was the zoology instructor well all of us in class we'd be like hear his lecture you know and we're all looking at each other like what's he talking about hmm. because he was great what he, he he was great great instructor except he talked to us like we were all phds and we didn't have the slightest idea what was going on. Mm. So I think about three-fourths of that class that semester flunked. So I decided that maybe I ought to change. So I went into business administration thing. Oh. Later on, after I got into the sheriff's department, they became they started offering uh, uh, the criminal justice course over there, and I switched switched majors to that. Mm -hmm. so, but then, it, like, we were going on that deal on the rattlesnake hunt. I've been doing that every year since 1982 and Linda got a little mad at me finally she's been a great wife on from 1982 about three four years ago when she finally put her foot down saying that I don't want any more rattlesnakes in the house up to that time I'd had anywhere from 1 to 18 down in the basement so that's uh 20 30 35 years that she was a good wife is that what you're yeah. saying <laughs> very understanding wife i don't know i i that's hard to imagine yeah, they were very well confined but uh, you know it's still the concept that they're there right right oh, yeah. so uh what's the point of having all these snakes in your house well yeah, well, the way I started out, like I said, this one guy, I had him over at the Cub Scout uh, pack meeting one time, and he got the snakes out and was showing them on the stage and all that. And, and I don't know, I was interested in snakes beginning way anyway. And uh, I thought, well, that'd be kind of fun. But then I brought them back because I would take them around to different troops, scout troops and that. Mm -hmm. 
and I actually did it to a couple of schools too. It uh, found out over the years that if these kids hear the rattles of a rattlesnake, a live one, and see them and everything, I had a couple of them that ran into uh, rattlesnakes in the woods, and when they heard that rattle and they knew what the heck it was, and they they started looking around. They stopped and they started looking around until they saw it and got away from it. But yeah, yeah it's a good learning thing. But mm -hmm. uh, and it was just a hobby. I just kept them. I mean, were interesting, but you know. Yeah. Another one of those, another one of those fun type things that I like to do. Yeah. Well, let me take a short break here and say okay. uh, thank you for being with us, folks, on KOPN.org today. You're listening to Glocal News in Social Artistry. Uh, glocal, as uh, the word sort of uh, sounds like, combines local with global because. These days, it's all kind of a mashup. Uh, things happen here and reverberate there and vice versa. And social artistry is uh, an area of uh, folks building a more humane world. And uh, there are actually levels of social artistry, even training and uh, projects more officially that way. But I, I broaden it out and get to talk to folks all over the place that are uh, living a life and doing projects that just make life more humane and uh, less violent, less uh, harsh, and um, we just need a lot more kindness and, and uh, getting along with each other. And I, I think this couple today, Jim and Linda Rhodes, uh, are role models in uh, that way. So, so happy to have them. Uh, it's Jim and Linda Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S, from Jefferson City, Missouri. We so far found out that they've had six children, four boys, two girls. Uh, Linda is the uh, foundation <laughs> <laughs> of, of the family in a way that, uh, you know, you have a, a foundation that's just solid. It, it's always got income and, <laughs> and always there. And Jim... You have lived a life of uh, following passions that uh, have taken you in, in many places. We just talked about some of your rattlesnake adventures. I wanted to mention that while I taught at Lincoln, there was a young man came as a student in my class, and he said, uh, you know, Dr. Dalton, you, these people are all afraid of snakes. Why don't you let me just bring my boa constrictor to class, and uh, we can sort of desensitize them, you know, get them used to uh, having a, a snake. Uh -huh. Well, I wasn't a big <laughs> <laughs> snake fan myself, but uh, what am I going to do? I say no. So uh, I said, okay, well, you bring your snake to class, and we'll try to figure out some way to make that uh, work. So he, he showed up right on time with his gunny sack and, and this he called his, his uh, boa hoss, H-O-S-S. So he, we had a, a kind of one of those lab, long lab tables in the front of a kind of an amphitheater-like lecture room. Uh -huh. And he said, well, maybe I'll just stretch hoss out on this lab table, which was about eight feet wide. And hoss took every inch of that and uh, we said, 
okay, uh, you all want to just come down and file by and you can, you know, pet hoss or, you know, whatever you'd like to do. Nobody moved. <laughs> 120 students, nobody moved. I can believe it. <laughs> and so uh, the guy, I can't remember his name, but he said, well, you know, I could, uh, I could just drape hoss over your shoulder and then you could just walk up the aisles. And there was these two... <laughs> aisles in this little amphitheater lecture room and i said and this is right in front of all the students he's saying this and i said okay (laughs) (laughs) well um here this boa constrictor slid back and forth on my shoulder until it got Uh balanced and comfortable and wrapped its tail around my right thigh and just sort of laid his head down on my shoulder and uh i wasn't sweating too bad at that time and then we uh we went up the aisle on one side and then up the other aisle this went on for five semesters wow and uh i i I don't want to take your time but this is this is kind of an interesting sharing story so we'll we'll Take the time for this. Okay. I had one summer class down in Soldiers Hall. And in that little amphitheater uh, teaching room, they had movable wooden chairs. You know, the old kind that had the little arm on it where you'd write and a little place underneath oh, the yeah. books. And, uh, and so the guy brought Hoss in, and uh, there was a wooden desk down at the where I was at the bottom. And... He just said, I, I got to go park the car. Um, I'll just put Hoss here behind the table. And I'll be back in just a minute. So hey, what I do, I just went on with class and and it didn't take long, but pretty soon there was a, some students on the front row that got up out of their chairs and started moving real fast toward the back. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out what it was. And one of those was a, a, a young man from an African country and uh, he was particularly fast on his feet to get to the back. And then I looked down to my right, and here came Hoss just doing his little glide out on the floor toward the students. Well, you know, what's a teacher to do but stand back and observe? (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to be a hero. Uh, But... There was a young woman uh, about halfway up the classroom, came down, picked up Hoss, no hesitation, took took him behind the desk, found the gunny sack, put him in the gunny sack, tied the string, <laughs> and we all kind of applauded. <laughs> yeah, <I bet. laughs> and, and, you know, that was an interesting uh, teaching day because here we had the stereotypes of, oh, well, this young man from Africa, you know, where all these snakes are, and here's running, and here's this girl that goes down and picks it up. So we had a nice conversation. Turns out that the young man in his village, there were so many poisonous snakes around that his parents said, snake, run, snake, run. Yeah. Because you didn't mess with those snakes. And right. he was just right on target. He saw the snake and he ran. I mean, it was just perfect. 
the young woman was raised on a farm right here in central Missouri, had pulled black snakes out of the chicken coop time and again. No hesitation. Now, I did have to stop the practice, though. The day that uh, Haas, we were up in the regular classroom, and Haas, uh, after doing the runway of the two aisles, did the Jungle Book move. If you ever saw the movie Jungle Book, yep. where, uh-huh. where, what's that snake's name, Ka or something like oh. that, he, he comes right up in front of the boy's face and just nose to nose, and that's what Haas did to me this day. <laughs> and I knew not to make any fast movements because mm-hmm. he only can see slightly, but I said, come get Hoss off of me. <laughs> <laughs> Which he did. And, and it wasn't but a few weeks later that a student brought in an article from the Kansas City Star about a, a middle school science teacher who had a boa constrictor in his class, got the boa out as he did almost every day. Mm-hmm. The boa wrapped around him did the squeeze and the man died in front of his students oh my do you think hoss ever came back to my class <laughs> nope <laughs> so did you have any incidents with these rattlesnakes that uh, were really dangerous no huh no that's one thing i've always did i always say i got a healthy respect for them i don't i don't play with them even though i had fun telling people when they find out i had them i go Oh yeah, I take I put a little leash on them and take them out in the backyard and walk them, <laughs> and they look at me very serious. And I go, "No, I'm just kidding." <laughs> but no, I I mean you, you don't want to, you don't want to take them out and play with them because nine times out of ten on the hunts out there is usually after if somebody gets bit it's usually afterwards when they're drinking a few beers and they're showing off their snakes uh-huh. to other people and they're That'd just they're just acting stupid and yeah. you don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, the biggest episode I can remember is the boys, they were maybe eight, six, five or six or eight, somewhere (laughs) in there. They were out in the backyard swinging and their thing was they would kick their shoes off Hmm. as they're swinging. Mm -hmm. Well, the snakes were in their cage outside getting warm Mm -hmm. and they kicked the shoe and the shoe went right through the side of the cage. I was the only one home with boys because Jim was not there at the time and I had to uh, find some cardboard real quickly and kind of uh, repair the cage enough to keep those silly things inside there. But yeah. Okay, now now the whole thing about that, where I was, was a point that I had taught one of my scouts. He had been riding through the woods and he had ran into a rattlesnake and a black snake. Hmm. And he called me and it was over off of East, uh, West Bac- or East Bacardi. So I was going over there to see if I could find the rattlesnake. And that oh. left the tank I had on the on the picnic table out in the back on the patio. But she said the kids like to uh, kick their shoes off. What they were doing, they were landing them up on the roof of the house. <laughs> see how high they could get them. These were boys. Yeah, know. boys. They had oh, yeah. Simple boys. Yeah. But the one went through the glass uh, tank and okay. broke the glass. Mm-hmm. But I'm surprised she had to, that was the first thing I'd ever caught. And uh, yeah, I'm surprised she got that, that cardboard and taped it on the end. And, you know, 
Yeah, well, it wasn't going to run around in my yard, that's for sure. That's right. right. (laughs) So uh, the boys handled, didn't handle the snakes, but they uh, handled the situation of being in a house with rattlesnakes okay. Oh, yeah. Didn't bother them. A couple of them actually have gone hunting. Yeah, the the two youngest boys, Chris and Jimmy, both went out different times and hunted snakes with me. Mm -hmm. fact is, Jimmy went out this year, even though he just turned 48, he went out again. This is the first time he's been there since he was probably in a freshman in high school or earlier. Hmm. And he went out there with me this year. Yeah, that's a crazy thing. I live 600 miles from the Mangum Rattlesnake uh, Derby. And so for like three years now, they've made me the head guide. Oh. Well, I, have to, I have to take the head, I have to take the caravans out on these properties that we get permission from. Well, I got to watch all these people. I don't get to hunt no more. <laughs> yes. Oh. She likes that idea, yeah. So you have a little uh, special hook thing that you walk around with when there's yeah. rattlesnakes around? And... It's like it's, uh, well, it's got a pistol grip at one end, mm-hmm. and you squeeze it, and it's got the clamps at the, at the other end, mm-hmm. which you when you pull it, it it'll squeeze down on them. Mm-hmm. It's real humane. I mean, it's not going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. But uh, then that way you can pick them up. You want to catch them at least six or seven inches behind the head. Because if you catch them right behind the head, they will whip around with their bodies so hard that they'll just snap their neck mm. and kill themselves that way. Mm. So that's why we always tell them that, you know, you got to do it, you know, that way. But I, I have seen weird people on these hunts. Let me tell you, one year I was down there uh, with our uh, VA rep from the office. He was an ex green beret. <laughs> they said there was 35 cars in that caravan. And the, the guy, the guide said, okay, you got, you're looking for this, this go straight up that Mesa top, which is probably 50 foot high. And, uh, and when he said, go, it looked like a herd of ants going up that darn hillside. Hmm. Now there was guys out there with tennis shoes on shorts on no shirts. Cause it was, you know, it's, warm out down there at that time of year then there was uh women with kids i'm going like what are they doing here then there was one old man he had bib overalls on no shirt no snake catcher no bag he was wearing white cotton gloves i have no idea why and he was going up the hill hunting rattlesnakes i'm like i don't know what he's going to catch them with (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh you get but we have we have had people from all over the United States come in for that roundup down there. Hmm. We've had several magazines that's come over once from Australia. We had one from England, one from Japan that came over to experience the rattlesnake hunt mm-hmm. and interview and take pictures and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there was a, a commercial outfit out of, uh, Georgia was filming a documentary. And since, as you know, Dick, uh, I like to talk. So, they sent the cameraman up the hill with me going up hunting snakes. So he's mm-hmm. right behind me videotaping me. Oh. And we saw a rock off to the side there to the left. And he said, there's a hole underneath there. I said, well, let me check it. So I put my left foot up on another rock and I bent over so I could look down into that hole. He's filming this from the rear end. He said, is there anything there? But I turned my head and looked straight between my legs. I go, no, but there's one right here. Oh, there was one sitting right. He was curled up right there in front of my, right between my legs. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The grass was a little tall, but yeah, I got him. He didn't get me. (laughs) And you didn't hear a rattle. 
No, he did not see. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that. You know, rattlesnakes don't always rattle. Okay. No, they don't. They'll they'll go. They can go on strike. They don't need to rattle. That has nothing mm-hmm. to do with it. Oh, okay. So you don't. They, so they don't really warn you. You know, it's uh-huh. not that's not the common thing. You know. Because mm-hmm. I've done that several times. Stepped over a log because you step way wide over it, mm-hmm. and then you turn around, and look underneath, and you'll have one there coiled underneath there looking at you, mm-hmm. not making a sound. So mm-hmm. yeah. But snakes are not the only thing he's dealt with in his lifetime <laughs> oh well, i don't i don't know if you want to say that for the another interview or go ahead or linda so. no go ahead linda well <laughs> he's expanded his horizons and uh now he dives with sharks he's a scuba diver and he oh. likes to dive with sharks oh well, done not that in for... cages just oh, no. swimming around with them mm-hmm. cages are no fun and he's also gone hunting for gator. Alligator. Mm-hmm. With a bow and arrow, which is not a recommended thing to do. <laughs> but he was with a Cajun uh, person who mm-hmm. regularly hunts gator. So he got to go out on a boat with them and actually try to kill one with a bow and arrow. That mm. didn't work as well as he had hoped it would. But um... No, you've only got that quarter size spot in the back of their head, the kill zone. Oh. And I missed it by quarter to an eighth of an inch. About every time I stuck that broadhead in, hmm. all it did was just make him mad. Oh. <laughs> he would do the spin thing and break my arrow, so I lose an arrow. The year mm-hmm. that he went to do that, we took the girls were pretty young, and we took them with us so they could encounter uh, alligator, you mm-hmm. know, in wild mm-hmm. or in at least see them because they mm-hmm. never really been around them, and. Uh, so we went to, they actually raised them from eggs, hatched them. Yeah. Oh, wow. They, they had an alligator farm. Yeah. And they would restock, you know, that that was their purpose. But mm-hmm. uh, we got to be there when some of the eggs hatched, and uh, they come out pretty aggressive. One <laughs> yeah. of our daughters thought, they, oh, they're so cute, you know, and she mm. started to put her hand down in there, but it snapped at her. So that mm. ended that real quickly. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Yeah. Can I move back around to uh, judo? Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Because all of the time you're doing your rattlesnakes and you're doing your crocodile alligators, you're continuing your judo. Is that correct? Well, the martial arts, basically karate. Karate, okay. Basically karate, okay. And is that a competitive thing that you were doing? I mean, do you... Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. it was. Can you talk about uh, the Karate Kid and and how uh, <laughs> that movie was? Uh, Mr. Miyagi. Yes. <laughs> I I have met a couple of I've actually met a couple of masters that really look like Mr. Miyagi. Trust uh-huh. me. But uh, no, I like I said, I started in judo in '64, uh, and I lasted about five years in that. And I had a little uh, fight with a table saw, and it didn't like my ring, right ring finger, and Ooh. I almost almost cut that finger off. So mm-hmm. after that, it was hard to get in for a grab on the lapels of the gi to throw and stuff. So then I thought, well, I, I still want to stay in the martial arts, so I figured, well, I can kick and just kick it and punch is a lot easier. So I just got into the karate and started mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that ever since, so... So, have you ever been injured? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Not nothing serious, but uh, I have been knocked out a couple times. Mm -hmm. I know that. That uh, it's really embarrassing when you're a black belt and you're fighting in a tournament and you got several of your students there and you get cold cocked. <laughs> Ooh. Mm -hmm. I I didn't even see the guy's kick coming. He hit me up the side of the head. And that was it. I was out. Mm. But yeah, I did that. I did that for quite a few. I, well, when I was in judo, I did uh, competition too with Charlie and that. But uh, then I got into karate, so I was doing that. I had uh, I held five tournaments here in Jeff City hmm. as a fundraiser for the United Cerebral Palsy uh, Association of Missouri. Mm -hmm. And uh, but yeah, it, you had to take your students with you is the idea to the other people's tournaments like in Springfield, Kansas City, St. Louis. And then that way those instructors would bring their students to your tournaments in. Mm -hmm. okay. It's kind of a fair thing. Sure. In all my years in the martial arts, I've worked out with some of the greatest ones. Bill Superfoot Wallace, Joe Lewis, uh Dan Asano, which was Danny was one of Bruce Lee's first students. Hmm. And uh what really I really intrigued me about Danny was that when we would take a break, you could sit and talk to him and he would never, ever, everybody always asked him about Bruce Lee. Well, he would never talk about Bruce Lee in the past. Hmm. It was always present. It's almost like he knew that, oh, he's still alive. He didn't really die. So I thought that was really kind of weird. Mm -hmm. And then one time, Joe Lewis, the world famous uh, karate guy, uh, Joe Lewis, I took what about well, my doctor who I'm still teaching. We were both black belts, and we went down to Owensville to uh, a seminar that he did down there for the black belt I knew down there in his school. And, I mean, we, we were introduced to uh, Joe Lewis, and it was it was just, we couldn't believe it. He just, he said, I can't believe you two old guys are still doing this. He <laughs> said, that's awesome. So every break in between that they would take with the big class that they had at the seminar, he would take Joe and I over to the corner of the gym and start working with us off to the side, which was absolutely awesome. Wow. And, and Joe, Joe couldn't believe it. He said, I can't believe this man's taking time to just take us over to the side, but he was just, he was fascinated that we were two old guys, mm -hmm. black belts that were still doing it. So that was kind of awesome. <laughs> so what was this hall of fame thing that happened? And, and, uh, I, I hear that that's rather a poignant story. So, oh, oh yeah. But, but okay. Before, but before you start into that, uh, let right. me just say hi to our listeners uh, officially. Thank you for being with us today on KOPN.org, your community radio station here out of Columbia, Missouri. Uh, this is Glocal News in Social Artistry. Uh, we air every Monday afternoon as you're listening from 5 to 6. And uh, we make a podcast out of this that are collected there. Uh, go to the website for KOPN.org and go to programs. And under programs, look at Glocal News and Social Artistry. And, and you can find uh, the list of our last 25 programs. And you can listen into those. Or uh, you can go to Facebook and go to Glocal News and Social Artistry. And we have collected there uh, just about over 150 shows that uh, I've gotten to do. So uh, check us out. And uh, if you have someone that you think would be a, a yourself or a good guest on our show, 
uh, please uh, contact the station and just uh, leave your suggestion for me, and we appreciate that. And uh, keep uh, listening to KOPN. We appreciate your support. Lots of good things happening at this station and uh, exciting things coming in the future. So now I will reintroduce uh, Jim and Linda Rhodes, that's R-H-O-D-E-S, some friends of mine in Jefferson City, Missouri. And uh, uh, Jim has done some hair-raising, uh, no, that's not quite the right word, uh, some <laughs> uh, uh, different kinds of hobbies, uh, alligator hunting, rattlesnakes in his basement, uh, and also uh, martial arts for pretty much uh, most of your adult life. And we were about to talk about this Hall of Fame that somehow I, I don't know anything about it. Could, could you and Linda talk about uh, an event that you were honored at? Oh, okay. Well, it's, it's the, uh, the original USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame, uh, originally found by Ed Parker, Master Ed Parker, back in 1976. And uh, I didn't have any idea about it until my uh, instructor, Kurt Doyle, who, that's what this is, this is a little side story, is Kurt used to be one of my students. And we got him up Ooh. to First Q Brown here in Jeff City, and he moved down to Texas with his parents. And that's where he got his first black belt. And in the ensuing years, he has you know, expanded. He's got, well, he's got legal certifications at eight different systems. He's, uh, he goes to uh, he goes to the Philippines to train and all this. Mm. He was uh, for three years straight. That's 39 undefeated fights that he did. He was the Muay Thai middleweight kickboxing champion, world kickboxing champion. Wow! So, as that what's happened is it's turned full cycle. Mm -hmm. The student has become my instructor now. Yeah. In all different different type of styles, which he's done over the years. Well, he, he wanted your I think it was like 2015, I guess it was. He was wanting me to go to Kansas City for a big function. He didn't say what. He was, it was supposed to be a surprise. But you're going to get a lot of media coverage. Oh, okay. And it was on a Saturday night, and I'm going, uh, I can't go, Kurt. I'm on stage doing Harvey. <laughs> and he we'll get to that, yeah. Yeah. He says, well, and you know, Dick. He said, can't you get a stand-in for it? I go, no, Kurt, you don't understand. It's closing night. I have to be my character, you know. Mm -hmm. So that, that went by. And he said, well, let's see. I think there's going to be another one in August that year down in Texas, Dallas, Texas. Well, I'll say I, I could probably do that. So Linda and Sarah and I went down. I still didn't know what was going to happen. But uh, basically what it amounted to is they inducted me into the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame. Uh that was on Saturday night at the banquet. Well, Friday night, they had an upgrading on, on ranking and whatever. Well, he said, you're going to have to do that. You know, it's just a technicality, Jim. You're going to have to do that. Well, there's only two of us that were, well, three of us. It was a husband and wife and myself that were going for upgrades on our rank. I was a fifth degree black belt at that time. And I didn't know what I was going to do. He wouldn't tell me what I was going to do. I said, what am I supposed to do? He said, I don't know. You just don't worry about it. Well, this, uh, the, the Browns, uh, the couple, they were doing katas. They were doing weapons katas. They were doing breaking things. I'm going like, 
I'm watching them because they went first. I'm going like, what is going on? So I thought, well, when it got my time, the grandmaster, uh, Dr. Uh, Thomas, Jim Thomas, who's the head of it, uh, he brought me up in front of him and uh, we're, in, we're in our geese and everything in our uniforms. And he says, you don't have any idea what's going to happen, do you? I go, not really. <laughs> so Master Doyle came out and said, okay. He said, I've known Jim. He was my original instructor. I've known him for years and years. He's been doing the martial arts for like 50 years. He says, I know he can kick and punch and do all this. He can break things. He can do katas. But he says, I want, I want on this type of thing, I'm going to have everybody in the room. There was probably 50, 75 people in the room. The black belt board consisted of eighth, ninth, and 10th degree black belts. And I had about 12 of them sitting on the board. Hmm. Which that was intimidating right there. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, Bill Superfoot Wallace was there too. Kathy Long, she was out of uh, California. She was a world, five-time world uh, MMA fighter mm -hmm. and champion. And uh, so it was pretty intense. <laughs> and he said, what I want you to do, everybody in the, in the room, take turns, ask Jim anything you want to ask Jim about his years in the martial arts. How it's affected his life, how it's affected his married life, how it's affected his kids. Hmm. And so he, they let him go. And boy, I had a bunch of them asking for about 20 minutes. And then everybody had no more questions. So I'm standing in front of Grandmaster Thomas. And he says, now, Mr. Rhodes, he says, we want, we've heard from you. Now we want to hear from the most important person in your life. Turn around. <laughs> well, I turn around and Linda's standing right behind me. And I started to. I started saying, oh, I didn't know you were in about that time. Kirk comes up and slaps me across the back and says, shut up. We've already heard from you. We're hearing from Linda now. <laughs> and I mean, they, she, I, she had only known five minutes before out in the hallway when he told her that he was going to have to do this. Well, yeah, it was spur of the moment. But it's just that, you know, martial arts had instilled in him quite a bit of character and control and respect and it had just infected all of his life so mm -hmm. impacted all of his life and it was pretty easy to you know just talk about how important it had really been for him and for our family some of our sons had trained for a while but even without that it was how he was impacting all the other children who he was training and mm -hmm. how he was letting it be part of his life and how he controlled his own life so mm -hmm. it it was uh, it's pretty easy to talk about things that you know really do affect you so. yeah and it was all the truth and it probably yeah. just rolled out how beautiful yeah, it did how well it beautiful. got to the point dick where i was hoping and i didn't say it but we got eye to eye contact when she's saying all this and it got to the point i don't know you went i don't even know how many minutes it was we got it on video that she was getting teary-eyed and I was starting to get teary-eyed. I was so proud of her, Dick. But I had a lot of the people come up afterwards that night and then the next day, and even at the banquet that Saturday night, that we thought that was the most awesome thing, your way, way your wife was going on about that. That was, I mean, they were really congratulating her and everything. I'm going like, oh, this is cool. But then once, it, once she got to sit down, they told her to sit down. I'm sitting I'm standing there in front of her. He says, do you know what's going to happen? I'm going, I have no idea what's coming up, sir. Kurt went back with Kathy Long, and they pulled a belt out of their uh, bag. They brought it up in front of me. 
and say, okay, Jim, take your belt off. Okay. <laughs> so I dropped that, dropped that one, handed that one, and they gave me a new one, which was red and black. Hmm. And evidently now after the board agreed that now I am eighth degree black. Wow. And I can, I can, I can use the title master, but I don't do hmm. When you get to be black belt, you're just a beginner. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You're just at the beginning of starting to learn hmm. the real good stuff. Well, you mentioned Harvey, which yeah. was a play that you were in at the Little Theater, I guess, uh, in Jefferson yes. City. Yep. So what was your first play at Community Theater in Jeff City? Okay, that would have been The Sunshine Boys in February of 2002, Jeff City Little Theater Group. Oh, that was okay. with Mark Miles and Jack Renner. Wow, Sunshine Boys. I miss seeing that, I guess. Darn. Well, I tell you, well, you know, uh, Mary Jo, uh, she was uh, the director of that. But then also uh, there for a few years, I was doing the photography and the video mm-hmm. for Little Theater mm-hmm. and CCP. And uh, so I was distributing the, the what the art, pictures they ordered. And I mm-hmm. gave them to Mary Jo. She said, Jim. You're always around. Why don't you ever get on stage? I said, I don't know. I didn't do any of that in high school or college. I have no idea what to do. You know, and she says, well, go look at the script from Sunshine Boys and look at the patient in the doctor's chair in the vaudeville skit. Okay. <laughs> so I did. She said, if you want to come to auditions and, and you know, try out. Mm-hmm. So I looked, there's about like eight lines or less. And, uh, I thought, well, okay, I'll do it. But nobody told me that you you weren't you didn't have to memorize it all, but I did, mm-hmm. and so I got the part. <laughs> ah, great! And when we got, you know how dress rehearsals are when when you get on the stage, the actual stage. That first time we did the dress rehearsal that week, I got out there. Well, Jack was always in front of me doing. The, he was the doctor, so the audience couldn't see me like that, and the lights spotlights wouldn't. But as soon as he moved out of the way. Boom, I could see the spotlights, which blind you. You know how that is. Mm-hmm. Then I got looking out there, and I couldn't even see hardly the first row. Right. People said, so I wasn't scared then after that. <laughs> so, hey, this is not so bad then. And I mean, that the bug bit, and ever since that time, mm-hmm. as you know, you've known me quite a while now, so mm-hmm. you know I've been doing a bunch of them like you have. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. been in quite a few together. We have. We have. Yep. There's one in particular that uh, you have some notoriety with, I think. Um, you were in the full Monty twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say something about a different of what we did. Uh-huh. We can get to that one. Yeah. No, yeah, that, that full Monty was interesting. That was the first play that opened the Shackle Center when CCP moved over Capital City Productions or was Capital City Players uh-huh. moved there. That was the first one we did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. That was fun. And then uh, we reprised it again about four years later. Mm-hmm. And Rob Krause, the director, called me and said, Hey, Jim, you would, we're going to do the full money again. Would you like to reprise your role of the bullwhip guy? I said, Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, and full house. Boy, uh, people... Filled the house each night for those two. Uh, oh, they did. Well, yeah. yeah, see, opening, that was, we did three weekends. That was the first time and only time until they started recently doing three weekends. Even though the first 
was it the first weekend we did it there was a severe ice storm mm-hmm. the second weekend we had a severe snowstorm mm-hmm. and by the third one poor rob was getting kind of concerned about i don't know if somebody don't like us doing this <laughs> <laughs> but the crowds came oh gosh yes yeah and it was so funny dick that 99 and two-thirds percent of the audience were women for the oh, full yeah. mile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you'd see one or two husbands that got dragged against their will. <laughs> but I guarantee you, we saw, we noticed that before or by intermission, they were laughing their heads off. Oh, yeah. And they were having just as much fun as the women were. So it got a word got around that it was a funny and good movie or a good play. Indeed, indeed. As so many have been. I want to thank you for one little thing you did. I don't think you were in the play, actually, uh, The Wedding Singer, but either you or Sarah took a little video of a scene that I was in, because I was only in one scene of that, and Mm -hmm. I I played a drunk at the bar. Oh, you played it good, too. (laughs) I tell you, I I posted that on, on Facebook, and I continue to laugh with that particular little clip. But one of one of the other things I thought you were going to say before you caught up with the, the full money was uh, when we did the producers. Oh, yes. Let me tell the folks that, that Jim is often the supplier of any prop guns to our shows. So we were doing the producers and we needed a prop gun. And what happened, Jim? Well... You were playing what Hans, where you're in the scene where you have the, the the German Luger, and you come in shooting at the guys, even though the weapon we had, the two blanks with all that, that's all Rob would let us shoot, because the blanks were so darn loud, mm-hmm. he didn't want to scare the audience that bad. So you only got to shoot basically two shots, mm-hmm. and then you're supposed to put the Luger to your head like you did, mm-hmm. and you pull the trigger. Ah, you mm-hmm. know, it's it, you know, I can't even kill myself. Right. Well, it wasn't supposed to go off because there wasn't supposed to be another round in there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, evidently, the first shot, it went off, but the second time she, you shot, didn't. Right. And I'm standing behind the wall as the cop <laughs> supposed to be rushing in, and we hear the one shot, and we go, well, where's the second one? Well, there's no second. Well, then all of a sudden, bam, there was this loud shot, and I go, oh, my God, that's when he had it up to his head. Uh-huh. And... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, everybody thought, and I mean, I wished I could have seen it from the audience point of view, because what I was told afterwards, you did the best bit of, of ad-libbing that ever been done, I think, because <laughs> you just played it, and then Steve jumped up, was going to try to do CPR, which was not in the script, <laughs> and all this. <laughs> but the one thing I always remember is that you were one of the best uh, students, I guess you would say. You listened to what I told you. You had put cotton in your ears. Yes. Because if you hadn't had that cotton in that ears with that gun right there by your ear, I think you would have done some damage to your eardrum. Indeed. So that was that was that really freaked us all out. I tell you. <laughs> Live theater. There's nothing. Oh, yes. Nothing like I, it. Oh no, there's no, nothing like it. That's for sure. I I think our most recent was uh, Elf. Yep. Where uh, you got to be a big uh, dolphin or some kind of a <laughs> no, I was Mr. Narwhal. Oh, Narwhal. Yeah. Amazing. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. Well, when, when, when Laura cast me that, and of course I was a security guard and I was a cop, 
And then I had a family at the end. But, uh, yeah, she said, yeah, I want you to be Mr. Norwalk. Well, I didn't know that was a cartoon character in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't figure out until one night we went in for rehearsal. She said, your costume's here. <laughs> yeah, me put it on. I thought, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> it was a narwhal. <laughs> uh, it was a narwhal, all right. And the thing about it is I had to do a kick line as a narwhal at the end of the dance. I'm going like, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was some awesome parts, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, you uh, you've done them all well. I I, I want to say one of the most amazing uh, roles that I thought you had was as the butler, in, was it Annie? Annie. Uh, and you were just the epitome of. I mean, you were Anthony Hopkins, uh, the butler. I mean, you were. <laughs> It, it was such a different role for you, and and you just pulled it off so well because you had a lot of humorous roles. But you know, the, the butler was a, a cool guy. And uh, well, you know, it's funny you say that because that was the second time we did Annie. Mm-hmm. That was the second time I was in it mm-hmm. with Little Theater. The first time was Jim Wakeman. You remember Jim? Oh, sure. Think? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I, I love that man dearly. I tell you, we were great fans. I love being in musicals with him because <clears throat> I don't read music. Never have. Mm-hmm. I always do it by ear. Mm-hmm. Well, he would be my cousin. We're the bass singers. And he would always raise his hand up a little bit or motion me down to get on the right level, <laughs> which I loved him. Well, he was the butler uh, in the first time we did it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and between then and the second time we did it, he finally passed of cancer. Right. And I told him, when I auditioned that I really wanted the butler role, mm-hmm. I wanted to do it in honor of Jim. And that's why I really pushed it out to him. Mm-hmm. And I had a ball with that butler. I loved that part. That was cool. Well, <laughs> it was outstanding. Thank truly. you. <laughs> yeah. I, I can still picture you there. I mean, it was really, really moving, I thought. And my goodness, we were out of time. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> we've done it again. Yeah, there we go. So, Jim and Linda Rhodes. Wow. How fascinating to get to know you and uh, appreciate your lives here in Jeff City and what you continue to do to enhance our community and and our world. So, thank you. And uh, friends, remember, wherever you are, uh, this is your world. So, please leave your world a cleaner more peaceful and more loving than you found it because if it is to be it is up to us take care and talk to you soon